to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Shear, and you're listening to Refuge Freedom Stories. Today, my guest is Stefan Nickel. Um, Stefan, how are you today? I'm doing well, Dave. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your, uh, your, your story? All right. Well, I grew up in a small town, had a decent life. That isn't where my issues began. We might as, may as well get to the point. I really liked cocaine for a time in my life. What happened was the relationship ended. It was my fault, but that didn't make the heartbreak any easier. It was around the time of my birthday. I was feeling down, and I dipped into a bag of cocaine. I did a bump to put a smile on my face. My life didn't collapse overnight, it took some time, but what started out as fun quickly consumed me. See, at first drugs can make you feel alive, they can make you feel powerful, but pretty soon you're taking them just so you don't feel weak. I went from doing a line on Friday nights before going to the pub to needing one just to deal with the line up at Walmart. Mm. During this time in my life I had no real purpose, no passion, no real plan. I was so busy doing nothing I couldn't get anything done. All I wanted was another line, and due to the situation I was in, supply was never an issue. Luckily for me, the devil overplayed his hand, driving me straight into the arms of a loving and merciful God. It was Halloween of 2012, during a night of feverish dreams, that I uttered out one of the most powerful prayers in all existence. God, I need your help. And God answered. Now, I never saw any bright lights or angels. There was no booming voice. In some ways, my miraculous moment is a bit of a ripoff. What I felt was that still small silence that Elijah speaks of in 1 Kings. I knew I was in the presence of God. The next morning, I woke up, put out two lines, same as any other day I'd actually slept. But on this day, I swept those two lines back into the bag, and I haven't done done a line of cocaine since. See, at that point, I still wasn't too sure what had happened to me. I just knew I didn't want cocaine anymore. I had done it pretty much daily for three years, and in an instant, that desire was gone. I wandered around like this for the better part of two weeks, and then I read Romans. I was that man described in Romans 7. I knew what I wanted but couldn't do it. I knew what I hated but was still doing it. Could will what was right but never follow through. Then, in that instant, just like the man in Romans 8, I had found life and peace. Before that night, I wasn't a Christian, but I still had a a concept of God. I prayed or at least I had for a time, but then I stopped. You see, when I was praying that the only answer I got, the only answer I felt, no matter what I prayed was, maybe you should stop doing cocaine. Even on mundane things like, what should I do today? It'd be something like, maybe not bumps. It got to a point where I stopped praying because I felt like I was bothering God. But when I humbled myself and I listened to God's word for me, that's when everything changed. And things changed immediately. I paid my October rent on November 4th, my November rent on November 6th, but the biggest change I went was went from barely sleeping and rarely eating to every night having rest. I had finally found peace. I will forever remember that night. I'm eternally grateful for that moment. Getting off cocaine was just the beginning of my testimony though. Little did I know what God had in store. Life didn't become perfect. It's not all ups. Sometimes I still feel down, but life is way better than I could have planned, imagined, or even hoped for. 
As a result of my three years of continuous drug use and lack of self-care, I had problems with my liver, heart, lungs, kidneys, adrenal glands, pancreas, gallbladder, blood pressure, and lymph flow. So, like it says in James 5.14, I went for prayer. Three months later, some herbal cures and a bunch of prayer, and I was healthy again. Another miracle in and of itself. Cleaning up was one thing, but having my health restored as well, what a great God. Amen. One of the places I went for, for prayer was St. Paul's Cathedral. Simple service, nice to hear scripture read aloud. Old Testament, New Testament, a psalm in between. But during my time there, I met a man named, named Bill Danaher. I told him about my life, the drug habit, how things had changed, and he thought I should go to school. Turns out he was the former Dean of Theology at Huron University here in London. He introduced me to Todd Townsend, the, the, the Dean at the time, who is now Bishop of the Diocese of Huron. Todd was an amazing help to me in getting, in getting enroll, enrolled. After two half-credit courses, they allowed me into the Masters of Divinity program without an undergrad. Maybe not as big as the first two, but I will still consider this a minor miracle. At the very least, it saved me a lot of time and money. One of the courses, Christ, Salvation, Trinity, basically was about who is Jesus and how does he save me, with some stuff on the Holy Spirit added in towards the end, turned out to be incredibly important in my spiritual journey. It was during this class that I knew for sure that I, was a, that I was a Christian. What it came down to was how am I reconciled to God? And the answer is Jesus. Christianity had made sense to me as a feeling. I had had two major experiences, but now it made sense to me intellectually as well. Faith had come through understanding, and greater understanding had come through faith. With the help of great faculty, Gary Badcock, Dan Smith, Tracy Lamonche, Stephen McClatchy, Brad Morrison, Jeff Crittenden, and Gregory Smith, I graduated with a Master's of Divinity in May 2019. People like Peter Groom and Mr. Lupton and Sandra Rice, as well as Bill Clift, helped me through this time as well. God willing, I will complete a Master of Arts in Theology by this December. School isn't the only door that God has opened for me. I truly believe Jesus is going to take me around the world. I've been blessed with the opportunity to go on mission trips. Pastor Carl of Impact Church has taken me with him to Jamaica twice, once to build a church in Ginger Hall, a second time to build a church in Montego Bay, and to go to the Apostolic Church of Jamaica's National Conference in Kingston. He's taken me to Haiti to visit the work Impact Church does there through Pastor John Dubon in Port-au-Prince. He's taken me to India to see how Pastor Jacob Koshy's church has grown, to see the work with the widows and orphans and the elderly. Within Canada, Alan Campbell has taken me to Winnipeg to do prison ministry, and I've also been to Edmonton to see what Jeremiah Basuric is doing with the homeless through the mustard seed in the downtown core. Here at home, there's been plenty of opportunity as well. Graham Morrison asked me to preach for All for One Biker Church. It's been a fun two and a half years. Our group is still small, but we've been able to give back to the community, giving backpacks to kids in September, helping a biker church in Houston after Hurricane Irma, giving money to Youth for Christ, as well as spreading the gospel at biker shows and events such as Friday the 13th in Port Dover. My latest undertaking has been handing out water and snacks to the homeless daily since mid-April. This came about partly because of something Pastor Carl said. Somebody should, anybody could, but who's actually going to step up and do it? On my walk to the city, I started to think somebody should help these people. After a while, I decided to step up and do something about it. Water was something I could afford. My friend Sam donated some protein bars. Impact Church came in alongside to partner with me, helping with supplies. Gary Thorne, chaplain at Huron University, has been a huge help as well. 
As small as this endeavor is, I've been able to help Arcade Mission and my sister's place, both on Dundas Street with supplies. It's truly amazing what God can do if you're willing to step out and try what's on your heart. Giving out water is one thing, but my hope is to introduce the people I encounter to the source of living water, to the one who can change all things, fully trusting that what Christ has done for me, he is both willing and able to do for each and every one of them. But even if outward change remains out of reach, I will be satisfied if they've gained a greater understanding of the truth of who they are, that they're of infinite worth and untold value to their Heavenly Father, and that there is always a seat waiting for them at Christ's table. Well, I suppose that's a good place to leave things. God took me from a place where I was lost, hopeless, to one where I have a sense of purpose and passion. If I had more time, I would speak to you about the supernatural cycle of sowing and reaping, tithing that has affected my life, and the importance of community. I may have gotten into heaven without the help of others, but there's no way I would have grown into the maturity Christ had planned for me here on earth without them. Now, my story may seem unique, but it needn't be special. God wants to reach into your life to change it for the better. We have a Father who is constantly looking out for the best for us. He's constantly working for our good. And God is not finished with you yet. Just like with me, there's a greater testimony still in store. Well, that is quite the story, and it is a true story, right, Stefan? It's yeah. not just a story. And that's the difference between a lot of things you hear out there with people. There's a lot of stories floating around, but we have found this to be tr the truth, right? Um, God is real. He's alive. He's well. And he is helping people constantly, caring about us and intercepting in our lives. I wanted to take a minute. We've got a few minutes left, and I was wondering if maybe you would like to elaborate on possibly some of the relationships you've developed on the street with people, um, handing out water, um, some of the work you've been doing maybe at the university. I know there was something you were doing up there at the campus. Um, what's going on with that? Um. Well, yeah, the, through Impact Church, I'm one of the chaplains up at Western. Uh, it's a great opportunity to try to like speak to students. Um, you know, there's awesome. over a hundred countries represented at Western, so you know the Bible speaks a lot about reaching out to the nations. But uh, I've got the nations coming to me, and it's not just students that we can influence here, but it's entire yes. networks of friends and family that, that you know we can influence in their nations, taking Jesus truly around the world. Yes, you know, making that prophecy in Habakkuk about how the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the cover the the earth as the waters cover the sea in our reality. Yes. I know myself, I, I was speaking at the university once in a while, and I was invited to speak with a, uh, as an addiction specialist, with a criminologist, a world-renowned criminologist, to the social work department and in one of the auditoriums. And I know that uh, at the end of the, uh, I, was, I was cautioned to be very careful about how, what I said about my, re, my relationship with Jesus and what words I used, and I should say higher power instead of Jesus Christ. And I was moved to do the opposite, so I kind of broke the rules, and, and, I, and I thought I was going to get in trouble, but as it turned out, with the response from the, the young men and young women in the audience, again, very multi-diversified, multicultural audience, had never heard the concept of love let alone the love of a God. Uh, in in their, some of their cultures, they said, I, what is this love? I mean, I want it. It sounds great. And and I actually did an, uh, an altar call where I did an invitation if they wanted to accept Christ. After I had turned off the mic and I had about 80 guys, and it was there was maybe two or three girls, but about 80 guys that got down on their knees and accepted Christ. Now... 
you, uh, at that point, uh, there seems to be a need for an outlet, uh, or an outlet for people to, you know, be discipled from that point on, and uh, at the university and that are you, you're connecting and partnering with uh, people to do that with with new new people. A lot of the people that are coming to see me are Christians already, but yes. sometimes it's about hooking them up with uh, Christian clubs like Power to Change yep. that are on campus and have a strong presence, um, but also helping them find a good church here in the city. And you know, like everybody that's coming here as a Christian does have a pastor back home, but again, community and you know that nice little social safety net yeah. is, is something to have. You know, while you're here, you know, at school, it's it's important to feel safe and secure. You know, if, if you want to thrive. Yes. Now you work with. Uh Graham Morrison, the founder of uh, All for One Biker Church, um, and you work at Friday the 13th, and some of the events you talked about, it's, uh, it's interesting because you're not only talking to Christian bikers at these events, you're talking to people that are bikers from all different backgrounds, right? Um, how's that been for you? Well, I'm talking to bikers that are mostly non-Christian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's a good experience. Um, you know, like the average church lifespan is about 12 years start to finish now. So, wow. you know, if that's all the time I got, we're going to do something spectacular for God, <laughs> or at least try anyway. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, like we got a good group of people that know what some good core values, and it's just about finding a good way to express them and bring that message of love and grace and mercy out into the world. Yes. You know, they, most of the people in our congregation have a story to share, and, you know, like now they're getting brave enough to actually, you know, speak it to others, and it's beautiful. Yes, thing. that's wonderful, eh? Well, I mean, all walks of life, all representations of different classes, I hate that word, but it, but they exist. Um, but in all walks of life, there's all kinds of people. doesn't matter whether you're a police officer, you're a biker, you're a, a prison guard, you're a pastor, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you live on the street. We are all people. We all have the, the same core needs, and that is to know God. And, uh, and in, within us, a desire to meet God, to have... That love that you get from God, you know. I mean, uh, there's a scripture that talks about how the the new covenant is written on the tablets of the fleshly tablets of our heart, and and that desire that burns as as I was a, a young boy, just wanting to know God. I didn't know anything about Him, but I knew there was a God, and that didn't catch up to me till years and years later. But um, your experience, as you said, when when you became a Christian, when you started your relationship with Jesus, there were no fireworks, there were no, uh, you know, loud horns blowing or anything like that. But there were some instant transformations that were unseen to you at the time, evident later, right? Um, so there was some natural growth, like you were saying, your, your desire to do cocaine was gone. Yeah, just gone in an instant. And you know, like that's maybe one of the sadder things about my like you know experience because people come to me and you know that have habits and they're like, how'd you get rid of it? And it's like I prayed. You <laughs> can try that, but um, but like no twelve-step programs. No, yep. I don't go to any groups. I don't talk yep. to anybody about things. Yeah. You know, it's not the temptations don't arise at times, but mm -hmm. I know exactly where it's going to lead me. And yes. like maybe not overnight, but you know, yeah. right back where I was and. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess, you know, like I sacrificed the thing I love most in this world, my cocaine habit, to be closer to God. And what am I supposed to do? Tell God we've had a good run, but I'm going to go back to it. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Yeah, it's because you have a personal relationship with God. It's not religion. You're, you have another person 
let me just call it a person. God is a person. And, and uh, you have a relationship with him. And when you decide to do something that is not something good in your relationship with him, will affect him, will affect you, will affect your relationship, that's different than religion. Like if, you're, if, if you would decide to go back to cocaine and you went to church but you weren't a Christian and you didn't have a relationship with Jesus, that wouldn't be a big deal. But you're, you, do you ever feel like that would be letting God down? Or I mean, you know that he would forgive you, but... Oh, yeah, no, like, I know God would forgive me, but it's like, why, why would I put God in that position, you know? Like, yeah. grace is an amazing thing, but, you know, we mustn't make that grace cheap. Right. And, you know, you love God, not just God loves you, and that makes a difference, too, eh? I think so. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that is pretty much all of our time today. Do you have any one last message you'd like to give me? Maybe somebody that's listening and this is all foreign to them. And, uh, you know, they, they maybe have experienced religion, but it hasn't done anything for them. Um, I don't know. If you're free to try this, I guess all I can ask is, like, how's life working out for you? Yeah, <laughs> good point. Because if it's not, you know, like, maybe you should give it a try. Find yourself a good church, one that's like, you know a good community, somebody's going to teach you about grace, mercy, that God wants good things for you, that he's going to do amazing things through you, um, that it's more than just, you know, showing up on a Sunday morning, um, that this stuff can affect your entire life. So go right. there and find it. There's many good churches in this city. All right, brother. Thank you so much for coming today. I love you. Uh, you're a good brother, and I, I appreciate all that you're doing, and I, and I love what, watching, just seeing what God has done in your life. And as I've known you, and, and as uh, I, I see you just running, 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 and, and trying to do what God's will and do what, what is right for your life and what is right for your mission, if you can call it. Um, I'm sure that everyone listening today has been touched by your story. Thank you.
Now a few words from Alan Campbell about Refuge Ministries Canada. Refuge Ministries Canada started when I was invited to share my testimony from accepting the Lord at 19 in Millhaven Penitentiary to be interviewed on 100 Humpy Street. As a result of this interview, I was invited by a local church in Spruce Grove, Alberta to share my testimony at the Edmonton Young Offender Detention Center where a 12-year-old boy whose role models were Jeffrey Dahmer and Charles Manson accepted the Lord. Leaving the youth jail that Tuesday night, I got on an airplane to fly back to London realizing that nothing was being done to support him, disciple him, and mentor him when he was released. That is how Refuge Ministries Canada started. I hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. For more information about Youth Prison Ministry or to become a monthly supporter, visit www.refugeministriescanada.com. If you have been released or need addiction help, call us toll-free at 1-833-586-0523.